Blog Talk Radio. Hi, and welcome to the latest episode of Blog Talk Radio. This is Jim Bazinski going solo today because Sid is out of town. Uh, and I actually got the music to work, so that's a great victory. Otherwise, I would have had to sing for everybody, which would have had everyone hanging up uh, their browsers and moss. Um, we have an interesting show for you today. We're waiting for our guest to get on. Um, and it deals with hazing, homophobia, masculinity, and the football locker room. Um, and let me add a few. Uh, I think we have somebody on the line. Who's our first guest? Anthony's here. Anthony, just a second. And now I have, is Jack this Cooper. who? Scott. And now I have Eric. Hey. Great. Uh, I'll begin a quick intro again. This is uh, Jim from Outsports. We have a, a great show. Sid is uh, off doing something today. And I'm running running this show together but uh, with these three guys. And we're going to talk about actually a serious issue to start. Um, and I'll set it up, and then I want to get everyone to talk about it. It deals with this issue at Sayreville High School in New Jersey where seven football players uh, in high school age 17, 15 to 17 were arrested on charges of criminal sexual conduct. Uh, they would turn the lights off in the locker room. They would pin down younger members while others assaulted the player. Some of the cases, uh, the fingers were used to penetrate the victim. Um, it's been pretty horrific, and the result of school has canceled the football season for the year, and there's talk about maybe even canceling the football program. But we want to get into, uh, with our guest, kind of how this would happen. Anthony uh, Nicodemo is a high school basketball coach in New York who came out officially a year ago. Eric Lucian played college football University of Nebraska from 2003 to 2005, was openly gay at the time. And Scott Cooper played college football for Augsburg's College in Minneapolis, he was also openly gay, and I thought these three guys would be a, give me great perspective on exactly kind of how this could happen. And Anthony, let me start with you because you wrote a great piece for Outsports and the Huffington Post that talked about how this kind of an incident, which seems like something that no one in their right mind would possibly do, and yet the culture of the locker room, especially in a sport like football, maybe allows this to happen. Do you want to give us some insight from your experience of why, how something like this could occur? I think so many, you know, times we our culture makes this, you know, excuse up. Well, it's okay, uh, you know, it, it's team bonding. Somebody tweeted that yesterday. Something to the extent of, uh, you know, this 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 is what happens. This is team, it's team bonding, and and I just think that it comes from you know a male dominated culture, and you know it's survival of the fittest. It's it's a way to. You know, keep down someone that you're bigger and stronger than. You know, it's not like we do as a country sometimes, or a bigger countries do to smaller countries. And amongst your team, it's a way to you know to show your dominance. You know, I'm a senior, I'm bigger than you, I'm stronger than you, and I can you know do what I want to you. But how does the sex part come into it? Because to me, it has obviously some level of of the whole homophobia thing, or you know, like if you're going to be penetrated and held down, you're the weaker one, you're the bitch, you're the you're the lesser than. How does that all play into it? The the sex angle of it. I think it's humiliation. You know, I mean, what's what's if if you are a straight male or if you're a gay male, I don't think it matters. Um, you know, what's more humiliating than be held down by a bunch of your peers and be you know anally penetrated, anally raped by them? 
I don't know if there's something out there that would be more humiliating than that. I mean, I've heard cases over the years, and, and, and this sounds crazy too, but I've had this conversation the last couple of days. I think by doing it that way, that's more humiliating than having it done with a stick in some ways because it's like another human being putting another – it's just to me – it's just it's the humiliation of it, you know, and and I think that if you're trying to to you know uh, exert dominance over someone, ultimately by humiliating, it's the way to do it. And I don't know if there can be a much more humiliating uh, situation where when that that incident is over, you need to leave the locker room and now see these players for the next your teammates for the next year or two years or three years. Um, you know, I, I I think that I don't know if you could look them in the eye ever again. And then I think the next level becomes that you create this culture, and now all of a sudden, three years later, you feel that it's your right to do the same thing to the next group of kids that comes through. And then all of a sudden, that's where the chain kind of, you know, it keeps going over and over again. Well, um, Eric or Scott, do you guys want to jump in? How do you see it from your angle? You both were openly gay and clearly had nothing like this happen, but could you have perceived it happening, or do you hear it happening, or what, what are your thoughts on what Anthony said? I think personally what Anthony said, I mean, he, he just hit it dead on. It's an act of humiliation. And then, I mean, like he said, the male dominant culture, and it's almost, it's almost animalistic as in the sense of, you know, in the animal kingdom, we have the notion of the alpha male, like you look at lions or something and the more dominant, stronger male lion is going to lead the pack. And I think that is the same sort of mentality, at least in this um, Sayreville football locker room. Um, which is completely wrong. I was lucky enough to never experience hazing um, at Nebraska or at my, my high school, which was just like Sayreville, one of the top in the state every single year. So I don't know. I just, it's horrific that something like this had to happen because like Anthony said, you're going to, um, these players in three years from now are going to feel like it's okay. It's the culture to do this to, you know, the incoming freshmen, which it is not okay because these players are going to have, you know, repercussions and psychological issues, and, you know, this is going to haunt them for the rest of their lives. Yeah, I agree. Go ahead. Scott, Scott, do you see how much does homophobia play into it, or the idea of, you know, the, 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 the whole sexual part of this, which, of course, they guys don't see it as sexual. I think Anthony agrees it's more humiliation, but they use sexual things to humiliate someone. You know, it's basically rape, if you think about it. Um, you know, it, it is rape. Um, and you know the older players are using that dominance, and it's a sexual it's a sexual thing that you know they're basically implying that because the younger players had this done to them that they must be gay and be less of a man and all that, even though it was asserted onto them. Um, so it's totally a dominance thing, and it's them showing that I'm bigger, stronger, and you can't stop us from doing this, and so I'm just going to rape you and put you in your spot. Eric, and, yeah, I can completely agree with what Scott said on that. Um, the homophobia aspect, like you were saying, I do feel it's more a humiliation issue. Um, and I don't know if it's so much... Uh, I mean, in a way, it is homophobia because I guess they're they're very de- demeaning them, they're anally penetrating them. Um, I don't know, it's just, I can't even wrap my mind around this happening. I'm, I'm just flabbergasted well, by the whole ordeal. Now, Anthony, there are adults involved, meaning this is obviously the coach is not a fellow student. He's an adult. You have administrators. You have parents. How does something like this kind of go on apparently for several years without 
anybody either being aware of it or taking action? Well, I think that at least from, from as a teacher and as a as a coach, thank God the administrators jumped right in and, and dealt with it. When you have strong administrators, as soon as they found out about it, they pulled the they pulled the string on this thing real fast. I mean, this was quick. And thank God for that. You know, I, I'm lucky enough to have a great administrator. I mean, my kids are in the hallways a minute late, and he'll suspend them. And 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 I support it. So it's nice having that. Unfortunately, we don't always have that. You know, I mean, I know incidents around here that literally for you know high school teammates of mine. Um, were involved in a football as a coach and, you know, guys urinating on the younger guys, stuff like that. And when it was brought to the head coach's attention, the head coach told him, you need to be quiet. And he resigned over it and became a huge story. And, you know, this is what you're, I think you're dealing with is what kind of administrators and your coaches do you have here? Um, I was talking to a peer the other night and he said, you know, it's scary because when practice is over, I go to my office it's on the other side of the gym, the locker room's on the other side. You know, thank God my locker room is next to the office, so I always hear anything that's going on. I don't think my kids would be dumb enough to do this, but in general, that's a supervision issue. You know, you don't ever think, well, I need to sit in the locker room with my kids, but I think football is a very different sport. I think that because of the way it's set up, I think because of the amount of kids involved in it, you know, you're talking this school, Sayreville, probably has over 120 kids in their program between varsity, JV, and, and a freshman program. You, know, you need supervision with those kind of numbers. Fifteen kids is a much different number than having 100 kids in a locker room or 100 kids in an enclosed area. Um, I hate to say it, but, you know, you, the flame's got to come on the coach, at least somewhat. I know what my kids are doing all the time. They'll get, tweet, they'll get a text at 2 o'clock in the morning from me if I'm out and I see an appropriate tweet. Take it down, you're stupid, or whatever I'm going to say to them in the text message. And that's my job. And every aspect of what they do is my job in my mind because they're in part of my program. So I think the onus has to go on the coaches more than a little bit and say, hey, you guys need to know what's going on in your program, especially when laws are being broken. Well, Eric and Scott, you guys played both played football, which have large – teams, and I don't want to equate what ha- what happened in Sayreville or anything there, but was there stuff that went on in your locker room that the coaches simply were not aware of because nobody talked or they simply can't be monitoring 24-7? Yeah, I'll go first. I, Yeah, there was. Um, and I came from a pretty small high school. Um, you know, in college it was different. We're more so adults, and our our coaches weren't ever really in our locker room, and our coach's office wasn't close to our locker room, so it was a different story. But, you know, I can say that I don't think anything ever wrong went down there. But, yeah, in high school, um, you know, we had upperclassmen peeing on underclassmen in the locker or in the showers. Um, so there there was hating stuff, and, you know, coaches just didn't notice it and didn't really check on it. And, honestly, I don't think they probably would have cared because they probably did that when they were there in high school. And it's just – part of the program and you just deal with it and buck up and you can do it when you're a senior. So I think it just, you know, it gets overlooked. It kind of goes along with the mentality of, you know, don't give them water during practice, you know, make them tougher, that type of stuff. You know, it's kind of sad, but it happens. Eric? Yeah, I am. Could could stuff could that, stuff have theoretically happened in your high school or at Nebraska that the coaches wouldn't have been unaware of because – it's such a big group. Well, I think um, at any level there are some things that could happen that some coaches might not be fully aware of. They may hear rumors of it or something, but unless they perceive this happening, you know, um, one-on-one, I guess, they wouldn't really speak up. But 
I do know, I mean, both at Nebraska and at my high school, it was very, very tightly run ship. Um, I know in high school, when I was actually a freshman, some of the other freshmen were given swirlies by um, some of the upperclassmen. And our coach found out about this within half a day and just went down on them with, you know, a hard fist and a hammer. And those guys were, you know, punished at practice. And it was made known right then that we're not going to handle hazing or anything of the sort in our locker room. So I agree completely with Anthony where he said it's a supervision issue. Issue. And yet What's it is swirly? harder. A swirly? Oh, it's where I guess you guys people pick you? <laughs> pick you up and put your head into the toilet and flush it. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Okay, we had a different term. Right? <laughs> okay. So, so, yeah, I agree. It is a supervision issue. And um, it does need to come back onto the coach for this because he, he could have, you know, he could run a tighter ship. He could, you know, follow his um, his players closer and, you know, find out what's going on in the locker room because he's not just a coach out on the field. He's a coach in the locker room. He's a coach every day, you know, like Anthony said, if he sees a tweet from a, a player of his at 2 in the morning that isn't, you know, um, appropriate, he will tell them to take it down. I mean, you're a coach every hour of the day, not just on the field at practice. Well, it also seemed to me that the reason it's a coach's responsibility, I cannot imagine a player wanting to sort of tell someone this happened to him because it brings up the humiliation, and then at some point it's, hey, you know, don't don't squeal, don't be a stooge, you know, that kind of stuff yeah. is almost seen as worse. Don't tattle. That don't you know, and so that that you know, it's the team. Keep everything within the team. Um, do you guys think that? And you can go in any order. We're getting more and more people coming out of the closet, uh, more and more people who are playing sports openly gay in high school and in college and a little bit in the pros. Do you think this kind of stuff is going to lessen? And I know it's not a direct connection between these kids being assaulted because they thought they were gay, but there clearly is that angle of you know masculinity and we're the dominant ones. Do you think that a more open society for, for gays in sports will lessen this stuff? I, I I agree. I think it will actually, um, because I think as more um, LGBTs are coming out in the sports world, more people are opening their minds and realizing that we are all different. And I think that masculinity mentality is is lessening because no longer I think are people just equating like for football example like oh a football player can never be gay because you know maybe this one person is associating a homosexual as being weaker or less masculine. But as, you know, we see with Scott, myself, Michael, Sam, um, we we aren't just feminine um, males. We we are masculine. We, we play the sport at a very high level. We're strong. We're fast. You know, we're capable of doing things at, you know, a high level just like other athletes are. So I think the more LGBTs that do come out in sports, the lesser um, of this sort of masculinity, dominance, um, mentality is going to going to be yeah i i agree i think people coming out is definitely going to help this um you know just like eric said because it's going to show that you know gays are nothing to shake a stick at in sports you know or just we're equal um but also too whether athletes are gay or not just these types of stories going to media and people getting punished for it and you know this becoming more and more of a 
punish thing rather than it just being swept under the rug. Um, just getting these stories out there and getting told is going to make an impact because, you know, kids in other high schools are going to see that this is happening and see, oh, shit, we better not be doing this. You know, whether, exactly. Do you whether, agree with any of that? Disagree? Or not. I, you know, I think that, and people hate when I say this, but, you know, we the, the people that need to come out to change the football culture are football players. The people that need to come out to change the basketball players are the basketball culture. And Michael Sam and, and, and Jason, and, you know, I had this talk with Sid when we were in Portland last week, and, you know, we really need, in my mind, that big-time athlete to step out who's currently playing. I think that that's the game change. I really believe that. And someone the kids can relate to and watch now, you know, Michael's story, of course, is absolutely tremendous. But the kids can't turn on TV and see Michael. And the problem is that there you have the detractors that are in the kids' ears telling them, oh, come on, he didn't even get drafted. He wasn't that good. And the kids don't know better. They believe that. They don't realize how good you got to be to be the best defensive player in, you know, in the SEC. So I think we need – we still need more of – these males to come out in the big three or the big four sports. Like I said, all this movement that we have going, we don't have one pro athlete out right now playing actively on the roster of a big four sport. So as much as strides as we've all made, where is this person? He's not there yet. Well, you know, you're you're sort of speaking to the the choir in my case because I've been saying this, that as as wonderful as it is, I kind of look at zero – in the NHL, zero now in the NBA, zero in Major League Baseball, one in the NFL, and he's on a practice squad, zero in Major College Football, one Derek Gordon in college basketball. And we know they're there because we hear they're there, and yet until they come out, we keep writing about people who have, you know, not playing at that big level. And this is not to diss anybody because I think every coming out story is wonderful, but it does frustrate me that. I'm still waiting, having done this website for almost 15 years, and we have the mainstream media kind of saying, well, gee, isn't everything fine and dandy now? I'm thinking, well, when you have one person in the entire four major sports, it's far from being a done issue. Yeah, yeah I think in time that's going to happen. We're going to have more of, you know, more people in the big four come out. Um, I do think, actually, some of the pro athletes are probably seeing – you know, the younger culture and how it's changing so drastically. And I think that's going to actually help them to, I guess, um, have a little more courage to be themselves. Uh, I do think it will it will happen. I, I mean, I share in your guys' frustration that, you know, it is the way it is, like, you know, active players right now. But it's going to happen. And we just got to keep, you know, plugging along and keep sharing our stories and, you know, putting um, a face to our movement. I agree. It's you know, we had a big spurt of people come out this year, which was great. And you know, it it gets momentum rolling. We we do want people in the big four, but you know, it's we've been patient. We have to, you know, unfortunately, we do have to keep being patient. You know, I'll I'll keep trying to get into the NFL or <laughs> NBA. But <laughs> yeah, Scott, what do you go ahead and make it make the line oh, God. for somebody? I'm trying. I mean, seriously, I've been working my ass off, but you know. It's not easy. As Michael's finding out, it's not easy. Well, I want to hear some pushback. I'm a little more skeptical. I just I just say from a pro athlete standpoint, they kind of wonder what's the upside. Obviously, the whole idea of making a difference, being true to yourself, is great for us to say, but if you're striving your whole life to make a pro sports team and you finally make it and you're thinking, do I really want to do this now? 
and maybe screw everything up. Yeah, I pro- there probably is some of that. I mean, guys see what happened to Michael Sam. You know, the SEC Defensive Player of the Year almost goes undrafted, and now it's on a practice squad. You know, I'm, I'm sure there's some of that where there's a fear of, you know, what's going to happen to me if I come out. You know, it's good for it's good for society, but what happens to my paycheck? You know, the logistics. I agree, but at the same time, I mean, Michael did it before the draft and before he right. was in the NFL. So I think there may be someone who has already played, I don't know, five, ten years in the NFL and is already towards the end of their 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 lifetime in, you know, the pro football league. So maybe they will have the courage because they will – be that one, that one big game changer of, you know, maybe I do want to do this more for um, not just myself, but for other people. And I think, yeah. I think we will see someone that will eventually do this. Um, it's just a waiting game. Yeah. Anthony, are you more pessimistic, optimistic than you were a year ago, or about the same? No, I think, I think I'm the same. I think we all, we all know it's coming. We've seen the story and the story and the story. And like I said, I don't, I don't want to ever minimize somebody's coming out for it. That's not, you know, I'm sure I'll get 20,000 emails after this. But I just really believe that we talk all the time about visibility, visibility, visibility. And that's where the visibility is, you know. The visibility is is in those four sports. And realistically, you can even go a little bit. The visibility might be in two of those you know, and I just think that's where the visibility is, and I think that's that's where for us to ultimately change that culture. I was joking. I said during this whole Derek Jeter, you know, crazy farewell tour. I said, imagine Derek Jeter retired and says I'm gay. He's like, I'm like, our movement would end. The whole movement would end because it would be such a mind-blowing thing that Derek Jeter is talking about. It. But hey, you know what? That, that's the impact because everyone goes whoa. And I think that, you know, from the visibility standpoint, we need it. I agree with everyone. I think it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. You know, eventually we're going we're gonna to get there. And uh, that's why I think we all sit back and watch Michael Sam get drafted and, and feel such pride in our hearts, you know, as, as gay men because we sit back and go, wow, how awesome is this? You know, and you guys as college football players, you know, you went through it, you know, and to see that and someone get to that level is just remarkable, but I I just think the visibility is what we need to completely change everything. You know, we need we need people in the yeah. forefront that everyone knows. I agree. It's interesting watching the watching the Monday night game with the Rams this week. It would have been Michael's team if he had been on. And Ethan Westbrook's the guy that beat Michael out for the position. Got flagged for a personal foul, and the announcer Mike Tirico actually said Ethan Sam. Who beat out Michael Sam or Ethan uh, Westbrooks? Who beat out Michael Sam for the spot? I thought that was interesting. That he kind of was the only Michael Sam reference I heard the entire night, and he didn't say the first gay player, but it was like Michael Sam was clearly on their mind. So I do think if Michael does get a chance to play with the Cowboys this year or maybe next year, especially given how visible the Cowboys are as a franchise, that would be pretty amazing. If you know he's chasing down Russell Westbrook or you know Nick Foles or something. Um, yeah. But I want to change gears for a second, um, can we, uh, just uh, the last few minutes, um, on something a little less <laughs> less ponderous, but this is National Coming Out Month, basically. It's Pride Day today, Spirit Day, everybody wears their purple. And we had a piece last week by Derek Shell that everybody on the are, uh, here knows on the things, the lessons he learned and the, uh, from coming out, and I'd like to have you all go in order and maybe take one or two things that you learned that maybe you didn't know or didn't realize after you came out. And why don't we start with Anthony? Um, 
I, I think you know, before Tess, Derek was writing it, him and I were, were, were chatting with each other. And, you know, to me, um, knowing that it wasn't going to be a big deal, knowing that it, people weren't going to necessarily care negatively, you know, the, the fear for 35 years was, oh, my God, this is going to happen and my life's going to be over. I'm going to be crucified. I'm not going to coast. And then it happened. And after all the hoopla died down, it was like, whatever. My kids, my kids wear beat true shirts to practice every day, and they could care less. So I think that fear of the unknown was there, but there really was nothing to fear, at least for, for me in my particular situation. Um, you know, and then the other thing I think that I learned was the support. You know, the friends that I've created in the past year and a half have been, I mean, you know, Jim, you were there in Portland, and I left in the elevator with Billy uh, Bean and Kirk. They kind of looked at me like, what's up? And that was it. Like, they had no idea who I was. Now I'm on phone calls with those guys, you know, once a week talking, or yourself, or Sid, or Scott, or Eric, or whoever else. You know, we're at the gay game sharing a hotel room having drinks. These are people I didn't know existed a year and a half ago. And, and Derek Shell, you know, is one of my best friends now. And this is kind of, I think, the strongest thing to our movement on our end is that these, these bonds that you create and these friendships that you create, um, we have something in common that other people don't. And that just brings us together. And, um, you know, if I knew that this existed and I was going to be able to make such great friendships when I was 25, I think certainly I might have done things a little differently. Scott? Um, you know, I'd say I, I agree with Anthony, and it's awesome. And I, I do love this. I feel like it's a little fraternity that we're in now. It's kind of cool. <laughs> I love that. Um, but I mean, I would say... The one, the major thing that I kind of realized after I came out is that I couldn't help anyone until I helped myself. I mean, it, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't give inspiration to anyone if I just wasn't being myself and being my, you know, just being true. I mean, to steal from Nike, you know, be true. That's kind of our campaign. And you know, RuPaul says you can't love anybody if you don't love yourself. So, but it's, it's so true with that you are no good to anyone if you are if you're faking it, if you're not comfortable with yourself, if you're lying on a continual basis about who you are. Um and that was that was huge for me to see. And I realized that I, I let the walls down and I let people in and people got to know me and I had w- much better relationships when I was just being truly myself. You know, and, and the other thing was that I learned is that I can be myself and that's totally okay. And, you know, that's what people are excited to see, that I can be a football player, I can be a softball player, I can just be the masculine guy. I can, but, you know, I can go out dancing and I can be gay and I can, you know, post pictures online with my partner and that type of stuff. You know, so that, it was just so refreshing that I can finally be Scott Cooper as Scott Cooper was meant to be. Great. And Eric, finally you. All right. I think... For me, the biggest lesson that I learned, um, and it's kind of a motto that I, I live by now and kind of preach to others, is that life is much better on the other side of fear. Um, as Anthony hinted on, I mean, all that fear that you have pent up for years and years and years about, you know, will I be accepted for being gay and all this and that, you know, everything goes away. Once you come out, you, you realize it's like the biggest weight off of your shoulders, and you realize that life is so much better than than it was when you were, you know, hiding everything inside and beating yourself up and, you know, super depressed. And then I'd say 
another thing I really learned is that, you know, you aren't alone and there are many people out there just like you. And um, as Anthony and Scott both hinted on, you know, we, we have that support group out there. And very quickly you, you make, make other gay friends and you know you're not alone. You have that community and we have that, that fraternity, or as Scott said. And I really just learned how strong I, I truly am. Um, by, you know, going through the things I, I've gone through and, and through my whole coming out. I just learned that, you know, I really can go through anything. And that, that to me, is, I don't know, a big lesson. Well, guys, we're almost out of time, but I wanted to say in the few seconds remaining, uh, and I've been out forever, and I'm older than you guys, but just doing out sports <laughs> has echoed what Anthony said. I, I've, I've, owned, I've known Anthony now since June of 2013. I've known Scott and Eric literally since February. Um and met, got to spend time with Eric at the gay games and hope to see Scott soon. But it's the bonds, it's the fraternity, it's it's hearing perspectives. Um, and the voice in my ear is saying I have 15 seconds, so I'm going to end it here. But thank you guys so much for doing it. Thanks for listening. Thanks I will not end me. with music because I have no idea how to do it. So um, <laughs> talk to everybody later. Thanks a lot. Bye. All right, thank All right. you. Take Bye. care, guys.